Welcome into the Atlanta Football Party. I'm Jarvis Davis. Coming up on today's show, long live Ryan Nielsen. This is Locked On Sports Atlanta, and it's time for the Atlanta Football Party. Only on Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Atlanta Football Party, your home for the best Falcons talk. It's local insight you can't get anywhere else but right here at Locked On. I'm your host, Tanitra Batiste, alongside me are Jarvis Davis and Aaron Freeman. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. That's why this episode is sponsored by LinkedIn Jobs. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on. That's lockedon.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. The Atlanta Football Party is also part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Now, of course, we'll deep dive pretty much throughout the show on the Habs and Flowery branch and their search for their next head coach. We'll talk about that. And of course, we'll also give you guys a little bit of a sneak peek into what is next with the championship round of NFL playoffs approaching this Sunday. But first, we got to talk about our key takeaway of the day, which is the news that came out courtesy of ESPN's Adam Schefter just minutes before the show. He says that the Jags are set to hire former Falcons defensive coordinator Ryan Nielsen as their new defensive coordinator. Now, it's interesting because this one is kind of an example of the twists and turns of the saga known as replace Arthur Smith. And the reason I say it that way is because, of course, it's not just about the head coach, right, Jarvis? It's really about that entire staff and what we've seen. Aaron, we also know that not only did initially Ryan Nielsen get blocked from certain interviews, but also Marquise Williams. And then, of course, we found out late, late last week, both guys were approved to go on interviews. This Jaguars interview was one of them for Ryan Nielsen. But Jarvis, looking at how this defense has played this past season, how much of a loss is this? So it's a part one and two. How much of a loss is it? Part two and part one is what was your initial reaction when you got the news? Uh, I thought it was I thought it was very interesting because I'm kind of sad, to be honest with you, because yeah. when you find somebody who can actually develop talent because I think that was the number one thing that I saw from Ryan Nielsen that I felt like he brought to the table because when you look at the development of Zach Harrison raise your hand if you looked at that Zach Harrison pick and was just like uh what is what is that that's a project we need somebody who can come here to be effective right away but towards the end of the season you saw the development start getting more start getting more snaps you start seeing him being effective you start yeah. seeing this dude making plays in the open field on mobile quarterback putting him on the ground you're like oh my god with Justin Fields um for for example so it's just those type of things you're like okay you understand what this guy brings to the table because it's one thing to hear from the players yeah. you know you get that because hey it's the first new teacher in town you know you always everybody gonna be on their best behavior so you kind of take it for what it is right as, as a grain of salt but when you actually see the development you see guys get better um it, it just it just speaks to what type of teacher you are because that's i'm a big proponent of coaches being teachers because that's the big thing right there that that these guys want in the nfl on that level because they guys been playing football for a very long time and they want somebody, they want to be able to learn and get better and make some more money. You know, that's just kind of exactly what it's all about, right? And win games as well. So, yeah, I think the loss of Ryan Nielsen is huge. That's why I was kind of torn on the whole fire off the Smith. I knew he had to go. Yeah. Man, there's no way that another coach is going to come in here and keep a, and keep some of those guys, especially a mainstay as a, as a coordinator like Ryan Nielsen was. So, yeah, it's unfortunate, but 
I'm not surprised at all that he's the guy that um gets the uh, opportunity to go and be the defense coordinator for the Jaguars. Yeah, and I even look at guys like Arnold Evicati, who we saw some glimmers and signs of his first season, and we were like, yeah, well, we kind of saw a little bit here, but it seemed like he was making leaps and bounds in growth this year, and I would think we would attribute that in large part to Ryan Nielsen as well. You also look at a guy like Jesse Bates III. Obviously, he was good enough for the Falcons to go after him and pay him what they did, but this dude balled out. And so you look at those pieces of how players were evolving and improving even beyond the rookie class. And yeah, I think it's a huge loss, a huge opportunity. I was kind of hoping against hope because I know every now and again, you do keep a new a DC when you get a new head coach, but obviously in this situation, it'll be, Hey, time to move on. So Aaron, when you look at the loss of Orion Nielsen, sort of what was your reaction and what do you think is sort of that biggest loss that the Falcons are going to potentially experience just because of what Nielsen brought to the table. Yeah. You went into this process as Jarvis is talking about, like that's one of the cons of firing your head coaches. You're going to lose a lot of good assistant coaches. And you know, when the Falcons, I think they initially blocked the Jaguars from interviewing Ryan Nielsen. And then, you know, they came back around. That's kind of the roller coaster you were going on. You're like, okay, you're hoping against hope that they'll somehow be able to keep them. But like, that's just not the reality of the NFL. Yeah. Coaches are going to come in and they're going to bring in their own guys and maybe they'll keep a, a couple of guys, but it's usually not the coordinators, but obviously Ryan Nielsen in this defense gave a pretty good case for why they should be kept around. And I think the challenge for the Falcons with the spending spree that they went on this offseason, they went out and, and went out and paid a bunch of guys that were basically perfect fits in the style of defense that Ryan Nielsen wants to play with. Yeah. You know, he wants to get some big guys up front because he's going to play with light boxes. He mm -hmm. wants a ball hawking safety on the back end. He wants linebackers like a Caden Ellis that can mm -hmm. come in and rush the passer. And, right. um, you know, all those things, like all the pieces fit for Ryan Nielsen. And that was a big reason why this yeah. defense made such a big jump. And, it's not to sit here and say that a new defensive coordinator is is, is going to be stuck with sure. without good pieces, but right. like you do wonder, you know, or how is Caden Ellis going to be used uh, in the next defense? You know, um, with David Onyemata and Grady Jarrett getting up there in age, like what's going to be, you know, are they going to get yeah. bigger? Are they going to quicker? You know, what you know, Zach Harrison was a perfect sort of uh, developmental piece at that edge rusher, given the size that Ryan Nielsen wants up front, but you know. Or is the next guy going to bring in more of a 3-4 and they're going to ask Zach Harrison to be more of an interior guy than an, than an edge guy? You know, all mm -hmm. those open question marks with what the next coaching staff is going to want to bring to the table. And I think that's going to be the biggest challenge where it's like you have the pieces to, to be able to maintain this. But mm -hmm. are you going to go in a completely different direction? I think, Aaron, to add to what you're saying, I think that's a great point, by the way, because I've been I was thinking about that as well. But I think the, the the benefit that the Falcons have right now, they still have pieces from both sides, right? Because we saw D'Angelo Malone just disappear <laughs> when he was he was brought in to be an edge rusher, the three four type system. So uh -huh. I think they they still didn't fully transition into that to that uh, yeah. those bigger defensive line edge rushers. So I think the, the Falcons are probably still kind of okay in that department, given which way they want to go, and depending on who they hire, of course. Yeah, and I think that's an interesting concept that you guys bring up because you know how we are. We always have uh, this conversation where it's like, okay, is it a three four? Is it a four three? And we <laughs> and we know how Team Peace used to answer that question sometimes, but it's a legitimate concern. 
and a legitimate thought process that you have there, Jarvis, with it, because you do want to know, like, okay, are there enough pieces? Because most of us have been saying this is the team and this is the franchise that should be, if not the most attractive, maybe the second most attractive. Most say the Chargers are the most attractive job open right now. Mm. So if this is the, the second most attractive job open, a part of that was because you had a base on the defensive side. You had pieces, talent on the offensive side. So really all you need is a quarterback and a, a better coach and you'd be good to go. But this throws a little wrinkle into that on whether or not the Falcons will have to potentially be more aggressive on how they go about not just in free agency, but even in the draft, because this new DC, along with this new head coach, Aaron, they're going to want pieces that they can work with. Yeah, definitely. And it's, as Jarvis said, like you look at this defense, they have enough pieces that it'll, it should be fine, but you do wonder, like Jarvis makes a great point about D'Angelo Malone. We saw him get marginalized this year because of the style of defense that Ryan Nielsen wants to bring. And then you wonder, okay, well, next year a new coach might be able to offer a defense that's better for D'Angelo Malone, but is that the best defense for Zach Harrison? So you just yeah. kind of have this back yep. and forth where you you wonder, it's not to say like, oh, it's going to ruin the entire defense. It's just like, you're not maybe going to be able to maximize every single piece on your defense in the ways that you want moving forward. And so you just kind of have this pendulum swing back and forth. Oh, we want size. No, we want speed. You know, that sort of thing. And it's just that's going to be the challenge ahead for the Falcons. Yeah. And you better hope that you get it right on the offensive side of the ball so that if you have more tweaking, (laughs) I know, right, Jarvis? If you have more tweaking, (laughs) and I say that like tongue in cheek, like we know, we know, we know you got to get it right under center. But the reason that all of a sudden becomes even more important is because now you kind of know, but you kind of don't know what you're going to get on that defensive side of the ball. So that's why I said "Eh, it makes it a little bit more intriguing when we think about where it's going to go in the draft. Speaking of intrigue, We will talk about something that we know piques all of your interest because literally we stay keeping our phones next to our bedside there with us when we go go to the restroom because we don't want to miss the same thing that you guys don't want to miss. And we'll talk about it on the other side. Hey, guys, there might be one or two guys out there who I don't know maybe are considering the possibility of getting another job, right? Well, that's something that some people don't want to necessarily consider, but they may have to consider because, hey, maybe they got that notification that said, we no longer need your services. And if that's what you got, then that means you need to look for LinkedIn. And what is LinkedIn? LinkedIn is actually the number one job's excuse me, number one job site of a lot of small businesses. So you definitely want to check them out because there's something there for you. And it's one of those where if you're a small business, you don't have to be so concerned about going out and finding the perfect candidate and how long is it going to take you to find that candidate because LinkedIn jobs is going to do the dirty work for you. You are that company I suggest that you post your job for the free free. Yes, I said for the free free at LinkedIn.com slash locked on NFL. LinkedIn jobs helps you find those qualified candidates faster. And they're the ones you're going to want to talk to. So make sure you write this down, jot it down, screenshot it if you need to, screenshot us and then screenshot that. LinkedIn.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. And just remember, terms and conditions do apply. 
All right, guys, now for the juicy of the juiciest topics. I tell you, it's so funny because whether it's our podcast here at the Atlanta Football Party or it's media that's national, everybody is watching. Every eye is on Atlanta and what the Falcons are going to do when they hire a head coach. Now, just to kind of give everybody a little bit of an update, of course, in case you've been under a rock, it's 12 candidates that the Falcons have completed initial head coach interviews with, including Ben Johnson the offensive coordinator for the Lions, Bobby Slowick, the offensive coordinator for the Texans. We got that news Sunday, guys. And we've also heard that they've completed a second round of interviews with Bill Belichick and Jim Harbaugh. That's kind of seeming like it's in the mix, almost completed. And reportedly just this morning, this morning, granting a second interview to Raheem Mars. So Free, I wanted to ask, actually get your overarching thoughts and then we'll drill down a little bit more. What are your thoughts on the Falcons and this search so far? Well, I've I've gone back and forth on this one. You know, I'm I'm pendulum swinging depending on the day, right? It's like what of course. you look at your phone and you're just like, I don't I don't like this report. I hate this report. Oh, I love this one. But right. like I, I feel like the Falcons are doing the sort of comprehensive process, looking at a bunch of different candidates, and that's a yeah. good thing. And you want to sort of pick a lot of people's brains. Like, what's mm -hmm. your vision for this football team? What direction right. do you think they're headed in? What things can you build off of? What things do the Falcons need to redo? And so I think talking to you know a dozen or more candidates is the right direction then you hear sort of the rumors that they're maybe focusing on one particular guy and then you're just like i don't know about this and so yeah. that's the part that leaves me a little bit um skeptical of of this is is this all just fluff and at the end of the day we're just going to focus on on that one guy and anybody who's been listening to locked on falcons over the last two weeks knows i'm not a particular fan of that guy and the, the person we're talking about is bill belichick i don't think he's the right fit here in atlanta but I do like overall that the Falcons are looking at several of these guys that I think a, a lot of these guys, with one exception, I think make a lot of sense here in Atlanta. And so, you know, continuing to, to go down that process, I, I think makes a ton of sense for the Falcons. Okay. And Jarvis, we'll go back. We're, we're going to come to the hoodie in a minute. We're coming for him. But sure. I want to get your hierarchy thoughts <laughs> <laughs> on where we are with this search as well, because I'm kind of like Aaron, but I'll leave my thoughts until after yours. I think my perception is that they're doing their homework. They're they're like they're casting a wide net, but just the 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 the, the lifelong growing up in this city, being a fan of this team, and understanding what they do and how big they are on perception. Because a lot of times when when it comes to if it seems a certain way when it comes to the Falcons, that means that that's the way they want you to see. it. Yeah. And I think it's I think in the total total opposite. I really feel or like they are, have drilled down on one one candidate. Yeah, and I know we're gonna talk about him, so I ain't gonna mention his name. Um, and, and they just all this rest of this stuff is just for a dog and pony show. And I hate to be like that, but mm -hmm. it's hard not to because when you see how you know in that pre I, I I forever go back to this press conference. That press conference where forever have an impression on my life because the fact that <laughs> Rich McKay sat up there and said, yes, I have input on day-to-day -day matters or, or my input on day-to-day -day, um, uh, activities matters. And when they told us he wasn't a part of football operations at all, he had moved on. He had gone to the other side and he had kind of, you know, he was got tired of those stresses of the world and trying to figure out how to build a football team. Right. You know, because he so forgot when he left Tampa. I'm going to tell you that. I'm tell you that much. But but I think that it's when you're in that situation, you know, with with all these reports and everything, it's just hard for me not to just say just I just question it. 
I just yeah. questioned it. Like, are you really doing your homework? Or you thought it was a bad look how everybody, all these reports of how you were hot and heavy on that guy, you know, <laughs> and now is all of a sudden the culture search is wide open. I have questions. I have, yeah. I have a lot of questions and I just questioned it too much for me to sit up and say, oh yeah, the Falcons are doing a really good job of doing their homework. They're trying to find the quote unquote right guy. Yeah, I have a little bit of an issue as well. And I told, I, I joined our, our girl Maria, who's on the Atlanta sports, the Atlanta sports party rather, uh, every at the end of every week, right? And I said mm -hmm. to her, when we were talking about it before the show, I said, I'm going to make a guess and 20 to one, they're going to do the polar opposite. I said, whether it's been a draft pick, free agency, hiring head coaches, hiring GMs, I think I have gotten it right one time and not one in those other times. I've been, it's been a 180. Like I've been way over here thinking, what the heck was that? So it just, to me, it's really confusing. The only thing that can make me kind of make it make sense is if I say two things. Number one, they want insurance. And so if something goes wrong in the final stage of negotiations with Bill Belichick. <laughs> 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 sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> things, right. As things have allegedly gone wrong before, then that's where I see all of these individuals as the potential like fall fallout and they're like the parachute they're like the golden yep. parachute Definitely. now that's one yeah that's so that's that's my one theory about even down to a jim harbaugh because hey he would be a tremendous runner up most people think you know kind of like hmm when Halle berry was runner up for miss usa but going on so yeah did, mm -hmm, little known fact she didn't win she was the runner up but we don't know who the hell that girl is who won so moving right along, your second place person or your runner up could always end up being that girl in that case of that guy. So I kind of think they're gearing up for that, right? With yep. Jim Harbaugh maybe being that second place and Raheem maybe being in that third place in case things go awry with Belichick. Harbaugh's in the mix, but then all of a sudden last second, the Chargers come in with this offer he can't refuse and there's Raw. I kind of feel like that's where we are right now. It's just everything mm. is a security net or golden parachute of some sort. And my third theory, guys, is that, or second theory is that you are going to go with Belichick, right? But there may be some, if you interview those coordinators and he needs some coordinators and all those coordinators don't get head coaching gigs and don't want to stay where they are, maybe you can convince him to come down here if he doesn't just absolutely install Josh McDaniels and install Matt Patricia like right off the rip. Just saying. I know that was a far-fetched one, but hey, that's the only thing I can think of to make it make sense. All right, now we're going to move on to Belichick because I got a couple more questions for you guys. Obviously, we all consider him to be the front runner from what we're getting from reports and leaks out of Flowery Branch, allegedly. Now, you guys did give me some thoughts, but I still wanted to circle back and say, here's the thing. It's amazing to think of a guy who's won eight Super Bowls and who's already who already has multiple players headed to the Hall of Fame and who does have some success on the people from his tree. Like, give me one reason why you're still like, I said what I said, Jarvis. You said what you said. So tell me again what you said. I, I don't like it. Because here's the thing, it, it it feels like 
the the last ride. It feels like a, a retirement for four one k plan. Yeah, you want twenty you want twenty million dollars a year? Yeah, come on down. Yeah, I can I can gotta take care of all my little grandkids. Right? Yeah, you know I can I can live off this until I I pass away at a hundred years old because Lord knows Bill Belichick is gonna live forever. You know because that's just how he is. But yeah, this like I, I, it's hard for me not to look at it that way because here's yeah. the thing. We understand that he's chasing Don Shuler, right? What, 15 wins? People been yeah. throwing all type of numbers out there, but I landed on 15. If I'm wrong, okay. 15, he needs 15 more wins to uh, pass Don Shuler. Uh-huh. And I and I, then I bring in the fact, the fact that no Super Bowl winning head coach has gone on to do it for another team. That has never happened. That is a fact. You can't argue against that. And it just makes so much sense because here's what he did it for 24 years for the New England Patriots. You can't repeat that. Right. One, he doesn't have enough time left on right. this earth to do it. Two, people people lose their fastball. Bill Parcells went to Miami and did what? <laughs> what did oh, he God. do? <laughs> Come on. So you're saying, and and you know, I know this is a little bit of a sidebar, but I just have to ask you quickly to clarify. So mm-hmm. for you, you're you're thinking that they're saying Super Bowl or bust if they get him, like not even an NFC championship would do. You go no. get him, and you got to get it all. You I'm gotta just get asking. it all right. Okay. Yeah. Because you. Because I mean, I understand. So you gonna put your? Because you gotta put your homeboy aside, Rich McKay. Or if I'm off the blank, Rich McKay, I gotta put my homeboy aside, and he can't have anything to do with football at all. And matter of fact, Bill Belichick might put in his contract that, hey man, you can't even come in, come in the building on the football side. You need to stay behind over there, Mercedes Benz at Arthur Blank's house. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, stay over there. Don't come to Flowery Branch. You know, and you, we know, we know. Regardless of what Bill Belichick said when he was still the head coach of the Patriots, talking about being willing to do this and all that, that was bullcrap. That was for New England. I promise you, that dude, if he takes it, becomes the head coach of his doggone team, he has total control. Total control. Y'all can bleed that crap if y'all want to. That man's going to want to have total control. And if I'm sitting there, you got to basically sell your soul. Arthur Blaine's going to have to sell his soul if he hires this cat. And I'm just not into that. It just feels desperate and it feels like. You're it's Super Bowl or bust, and when you make moves like that, a lot of times them just don't pay, pan out to you. That's true. That's true. And Aaron, I'm going to ask you one more question, and then we're going to actually pick this up on the other side because I have one more that I want both of you guys to weigh in on. But real quick, uh, free, if you could tell me when we look at what I consider to be the runner-up, the first maid or first man of honor, whatever you want to call him, Jim Harbaugh. From for you, does he make more sense for this Falcons franchise, and if so, why? Yeah, I, I think he does. I, I, okay. Jim Harbaugh is a program builder. He goes to places that struggle, and then mm-hmm. he gets there and they win. He did it at Stanford. He did it at San Francisco. They had gone through really rough years with like Mike Nolan and Mike Singletary. And then in his second year, they're in the NFC Championship. In his third year, they're in the Super Bowl. Right? He goes to Michigan, and I know Michigan is not a bad program in, in college football. It's a storied program, but they. But it was middle. Yeah, they they were come on hard times and Brady Hoke and Rich Rodriguez for a couple of years there. And he gets there. They're immediately back at the top of the Big Ten. They're in short order competing for playoffs. And then ultimately you saw that this past year that culminate in a national championship. So if if you're looking at the type of coach that can come in and take the Falcons from this mediocre football team that they've been for the most part for the last six years and take them to the next level, Jim Harbaugh has proven time and time again that he can be that guy. So I think what the perception of what Bill Belichick is going to do here in Atlanta is the reality of what Jim Harbaugh will do in here in Atlanta. And so I think if that's what Arthur Blake is looking for, it makes more sense to me to be all in on Jim Harbaugh than yeah. it is to be on Bill Belichick. 
Indeed. And his players, many of his former players have come out even last week, giving him that kind of endorsement. So to me, that kind of turned the tide for me a little bit. Guys, we're going to talk more about this when we come back, because we know that you guys are on pins and needles just waiting to hear what else we have to say. We got one more guy we want to talk about who we think would be a perfect fit for Flowery Branch. This episode of our Atlanta football party is also brought to you by FanDuel. Now, the NFL season, the regular season is wrapped up, but it is Championship Sunday coming down the pipeline. So there's still more that you can do to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook right now. New customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. How cool is that? You can still get the money even if you lose. Now, the app is so easy to use, and there are so many different ways to bet, like live same-day parlays, finding bets in the new Explorer tab, making a parlay in the Parlay Hub, which is the best way to find popular parlays, and even more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and make your first bet a layup. Again, you're doing it with the easiest of apps because of the same-game parlays, finding bets in that new Explorer tab, making a parlay in the Parlay Hub, and much, much more. So FanDuel.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N to make your first bet a layup. FanDuel is the official partner of the NFL. Now, guys, we would be remiss if we didn't bring up the news that we found out just this morning. According to multiple sources, of course, the Falcons will announce it after it's completed. But according to multiple sources, Raheem Morris will have a second interview with the Falcons for their head coaching job. As we all know, he and I'll, I'm, I'm first to raise my hand. He's my number one. Uh, unapologetically. I saw what he was able to do in 2020, giving the Falcons their only four wins. I was also probably one of three on this call, on this Zoom, this Zoom, excuse me, this uh, broadcast rather, who were excited to see him be on the sidelines to be a part of that Rams run to the Super Bowl. And it's been 13 years. I mean, how long is he supposed to stay in head coach purgatory when he's done so many great things at every stop he's had? That said, what did you guys think about him? And what do you think about his realistic possibility for actually getting this gig or maybe even another one. If you want to throw that into, if not this gig, does he get a head coaching gig period this cycle? I think one of the things that I've always appreciated by Raheem Morris, I want to call him Ross so bad, but you know, I want to make sure I give his government name out first before I start doing that. This is a guy that I feel like can really lead 53 guys and not necessarily be, you know, his, his central focus be on the offense or on the defense and mm -hmm. and, and and try to build a, a, a coaching staff that way. I think he can build it equally. Right. You know, he oversees the 53. You got mm -hmm. some, a guy who can stay in his silo and call plays on the offensive side of the football. And you got a guy on the defensive side who can stay in the silo. And, and call plays on that. And then you Indeed. bring all those guys together and you, you have one overall vision, one 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 band, one sound, right? Mm -hmm. You know, if I can use a drumline reference. So I think that's kind of why I really feel like he'll be the guy this time, a good guy to go around this time because, you know, the second time around you learn, right? You know, because... Yeah. You know, Bill Belichick wasn't all that great and for the Cleveland, Cleveland Right. Let's not forget. Right. Yeah. Let's, 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 let's keep it funky, yeah. right? Thank you so, so much, Jarvis, for reminding us that the struggle <laughs> is real sometimes on that first go-round. Especially when there's bad organizations. And I think we all can agree that Tampa and Cleveland have been bad organizations. So when it's hard to do well when you just when the issues are at the top of the organization. So Indeed. I feel like, you know, Raheem deserves another chance because I feel like he's earned that. He's done everything in his possible. 
in his power to be able to do that from deciding to go on the offensive side of the football, being open and open-minded and being willing to work with guys like Julio Jones and all that stuff. So yeah, when you have a guy of that ilk being able to flourish in any any type of position you put him in, mm-hmm. those are the type of guys that, that can, can lead, right? Those type of guys yeah. that can teach. And that's why I'm a big proponent of Raheem Morris, not necessarily because people think he's a rah-rah coach. Yeah, because honestly, when you get an opportunity to speak with him one-on-one, you'll recognize that he's not really rah-rah so much as he's Pastor Raheem Morris. I mean, it just comes across. It's not his fault. That's, you know, that's kind of what yeah, you'd be like. Yeah, yeah. You, I mean, you know, if I want an amen in the church or the press conference because that's how he is, well, then that's just what it is. But the results are what they are. And one of the things that speaks volumes to that free is the fact that the Rams GM, Les Need, has come out very vocally this offseason of this coaching hiring cycle to talk about the fact that Ra is more than ready. Yeah, I, I agree with everything Jarvis says. As you say, like, no one ever says a bad thing about Raheem Morris, right? Like, you, you, you can find some yeah, players saying some, some, some questionable things about Bill Belichick. You can find some uh, other people that, you know, aren't necessarily the biggest fans of, of Jim Harbaugh, you know? Uh, but I've never heard anybody say a, a negative thing about Raheem Morris. You talk about having that experience on the defensive side of the ball. We know that most defensive-minded head coaches tend to be like, hey, we just want to pound the rock and be a physical football team. Uh, but, you know, Raheem's been around, you know, these very explosive offense, the Rams the last couple of years, being in Washington with Kyle Shanahan, obviously being part of that Shanahan offensive coaching staff in that 2016 year yes. with the Falcons going to the Super Bowl. So, like, he gets it on the offensive side of the ball more so than a lot of these coaches that get these head jobs in today's NFL. So that's another plus in his category. And, you know, I, I think this cycle is going to be one where I do feel like whether it's here in Atlanta and you've hear, heard some increasing buzz that he he is that sort of plan B or plan C here in Atlanta and might be able to, you know, uh, get us uh, away from the, the evil emperor uh, that, you know, <laughs> maybe coming down from New England, um, you know, being, being Luke Skywalker, I guess you could say, <laughs> to, to come and save the galaxy. But, um, you know, I, also, I mean, whichever way you want to go with it. I also feel like he... You know, if not here in Atlanta, he sh- he should be able to get it. Like I think a place like Seattle makes a ton of sense because yes. he can bring that yeah. similar energy that Pete Carroll yeah. has had so much success in Seattle connecting yeah. with players. That's that's like Pete Carroll's superpower is like players absolutely love him, and I think Raheem Morris has a similar energy, so he makes a ton of sense there. And of course, there are plenty of other jobs that I think he would make a ton of sense there. But it does feel like the momentum is back in Raheem's favor yeah. um, for this coaching cycle, and given so many jobs are being open. Now, it does feel like the odds should be that he should get one of these six remaining jobs. Indeed, indeed. And yeah, he's that kind of guy. I love that you brought out the fact that um, really we all three kind of agree like he's that dude. Like when nobody has a bad thing to say about you, that speaks volumes. And that also took me back to the thought process of it's always I mean, we've heard it ad nauseum fit, 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 understand the Falcons culture and who fits. Okay, I don't know who in this hiring cycle understands the Falcons culture any more than a guy who was already in the culture through different regimes and ins and outs and ups and downs and backs and forths. He understands. So that to me is another key piece. He can pick up the ground. I mean, he can hit the ground running because Jarvis, not that he has a whole lot of players from the regime of past, but if you just got that one, <laughs> you know, if it's Raheem Martin, Grady Jarrett, I'll take it. 
I'll take that to round out and reset the D- the, the defensive side of the ball along with uh, a new DC and be quite fine. Yep. Before we get out of here, guys, we are here in the A. So, of course, if there's something that we want to share with you to be respectful, we will. And that is that word has just come out that uh, Dexter King has passed away. He had a long bout, a valiant battle with prostate cancer that he um, unfortunately didn't win, at least on this side of heaven. He passed away at the age of 62. Our condolences, thoughts, and prayers, of course, are with the King family. We want to thank you guys also for checking out the Atlanta football party and always rocking with us and supporting us. Don't forget to check us out on our YouTube channel if you haven't already done so. And as always, check us out tomorrow on the Atlanta football party.